All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E, media.ie. Audiovisual from an Irish perspective. This is the All Things Techie Podcast. Hello, everyone. Justin Dawson with you. It is the All Things Techie Podcast. Rolling out these episodes lately, and I have a great, great show for you today. If you'd like to get in contact with the program, you can do so by visiting www.allthingstech.ie for All Things Techie. You can tweet me at Justin or Dawson. We also have the show's Twitter handle, which is abtechjunkies. Now, Integrated Systems Europe began life in 2004, with the first edition of the show being held in Geneva in Switzerland. It hosted 120 exhibitors and attracted 3,500 visitors. Most importantly, it laid the foundation for an unprecedented growth for the annual show over the years. Fast forward 16 years and ISE 2020 attracted more than 1,300 exhibitors and over 116,000 visits to its final edition in the Rye in Amsterdam. Now I have been at the Rye in Amsterdam a couple of times. And now, of course, the Rye in Amsterdam in the final year um, of ISE, COVID-19 was just starting and the pandemic was just hitting the waves. ISE 2020 did go ahead. It really got hit more by the weather than anything else. So we're now in a world where a lot of these conferences have been taking place virtually. We talk about Infocom that took place virtually. We talk about the AVIT summit that happened last week that took place virtually. CES 2021, that's all going virtually. So what's hopes lie in store for uh, ISE in 2021 in its new home in Barcelona? I caught up with the Managing Director of Integrated Systems Europe, Mike Blackman, and he told me more. Check uh, it out. Yeah. So a little really quick brief background on my career. I started off in publishing uh, with Financial Times and then with Personal Computer World magazine. And um, that dragged me into, I got, I got headhunted to go and run the first No Computer World show in London. Uh, I grew that to become the largest attended computer show in the, in the UK, probably in Europe. No, no, CBIT was always bigger. And, um, uh, and then um, I got headhunted uh, uh, by IDG to come to Germany and launch a series of computer shows for them, including MacWorld Expo, which I launched all over Europe. And then I left them and I started my own consulting business. And then I was hit hunted again. Um, you know, my old boss at IDG approached me and said, look, I've got two, three associations then who want to launch a new show in Europe. And he said, Mike, this job is made for you. So I said, okay, send me the info. And um, he sent it, I had a look at it. I said, well, this looks interesting. I think this could be successful. And I had an interview and uh, uh, the three, uh, um, uh, executive director said, yeah, we want you. Uh, when can you start? And um, so we started, uh, uh, we launched a company in, that was uh, 
March, April 2003. And uh, we ran the first show in um, uh, February or January rather, 2004. Wow. So, you know, that was uh, how it all started. Um, my background has always been um, computers and communications. So I've been a tech person and a bit of a, 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 a techie and I love technology. So actually coming to something like this was really, really, um, you know, made for me. And I remember the first show I went to was uh, um, in this in this particular sector was Infocom in the US. And um, I remember walking around that show like a little kid in a toy store, you know, just seeing all this wonderful stuff and saying, wow. I then, know, uh, like, your, your first conference, like my first ISE was now four years ago and it, in the Rye. And I walked into the Rye and thought, wow, this is big, right? And I, I, I went up the stairs on that escalator and I looked in those two rooms and was getting lost. And I was trying to contact one of my colleagues who said, I'm in hall number eight. I was like, where's hall number eight? I didn't realize there's like another eight halls that I had. Oh, actually, another 14 halls. So yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. I started in Geneva in Switzerland in 2004. Um, that was the first show. Um, it was, I mean, it launched. Um, it wasn't, you know, I think the mistake was that everyone saw, uh, you know, Switzerland as being in the center of Europe, but it's not, you know, economically. And that was the issue. Mm. And most of our exhibitors said, look, you know, we want this show to succeed. We think it has uh, something that uh, can really do well, but it won't work for us in Switzerland. So we looked around, we, we um, made a short list of cities and present that to our exhibitors. And uh, with that short list, uh, we went out and looked uh, at the venues and um, finally came into the Rye and said, this is the place. Um, so in 2005, we made the, it was our first escapade in, uh, um, uh in um, amsterdam we couldn't get a tenancy for the following year in 2006 so we went to brussels okay uh, but we'd already negotiated and secured the venue for 2007 and moved back to amsterdam in 2007 and have been there ever since until now um and amsterdam on the rye was a great venue for us it worked uh, a little confusing um you know for me i could walk around that place with a blindfold but and it's very hard when you're used to being there so often and know the place inside out to take the point of view of someone who's never been there uh, to understand how to navigate the place. And um, uh, it's something we, we did a lot of work in trying to help people. Um, so I, I can understand that you got a little bit lost, but uh, oh, look, you know, like my wife teases me, I, even though I'm a, a scout leader, my, my wife would tease me and say, do you get lost in the post box? It's like, you know, give me open space on top of a mountain and I'll be able to navigate, put me into a space with a map and all these holes and I get lost, you know, or do you know what? I think the biggest word that we can say about ISE and big conferences like this, Mike, is you get distracted. You, you have a Absolutely. meeting. Absolutely. You know, this is one of the things, um, you know, I always look at it from, um, I always think when I go to a show, what's going to impress me? And I'm the most skeptical person about going to exhibitions. I'm probably the worst advocate for my industry. <laughs> um, so I set expectations much higher to actually say, okay, what's going to keep me satisfied? What's going to actually make me say, wow. So what we try to do is, 
firstly, I think our exhibitors create all the wow. The, you know, when you see the effort they put into building their stands, uh, uh, and, you know, it's entertainment going on uh, some of these booths and uh, seeing what they actually do. But then we uh, supplement that by putting features in place or, and you know, one of the things I've always done is I always said, when you come to the Rye, it has to belong to us. So when you come to Barcelona next year, it has to, the building has to belong to us. That means that we try to brand it and uh, put our name everywhere uh, to show people you're at ISE. But then what I want people to do when they come in the entrance, I want them to go, wow, to see something that really makes them think, wow, I could do that. Or that's a good idea. And yeah. that's what we try to create. Or when you go down to the higher edge levels, like, yeah, I, I, I like it like one tenth of that big LED screen to, to go into my boardroom if, if, if possible. Yeah, maybe a 55 inch screen might be suffices. Yeah, but the logistics that go into such meetings, Mike, and I, as, as I just mentioned, I'm a scout, like, and I've, I've done camps where I've taken a group of kids over, and I think that's a logistical nightmare. The planning that goes into the lights, I, and I'm going to describe it as the Rye again, because that's my experience from... Yeah, just that's getting, where we've been. Yeah, that's where I've been. Getting off the plane, tra there's into the airport in Amsterdam, there's buses ready to take you to the Rye. There's, there's trains to take you to the, to the Rye. You arrive, you can put away your baggage, you, you book out all the hotels that's and network with all the hotels. There's there's food in the ride. You're talking about like give me give give me some figures, Mike, from the starting days to what it is now. With with conference. so the process of actually organising the show is probably about 15, 15 months. So we actually start so. The preparation for ISC 2021 actually started much earlier because we were moving venue. So we've actually been doing work for like 24 months in preparation. Uh, but generally what we would do is start uh, the preparation in about October, November, where we start putting things in place. Uh, we're already talking to our key exhibitors about where they want to be for the following year um, in uh, November. So, you know, they've already looked at the plan. They've actually said, that's what we want. And um, uh, by the time we get to February, they were, they're just confirming uh, their decisions. Um, so it's about a 15 month process. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny because most people just see me. I'm the one who gets interviewed. ISE is not just me. I've got a team behind me of just over about 34 people. I was going to ask you that, like it is, and I've met a couple of your team from the times that I've been in Munich as well. And of course, I I, I would would know some of your UK and Ireland team of of, of Vixa, Ben and Chris and and the Vixa team. But it it the people people don't see the the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes. And there's a lot. There's really a lot. And um, so they have, they, so we started with my immediate team, who was split into operations. Uh, so they handle all the logistics about actually what happens on site. Sales, who are the interaction with all of our exhibitors, and marketing, who are the interaction between our attendees and our exhibitors. And then we have our administration, accounting, et cetera, et cetera. And what happens is those teams then work with outside organizations. So this team, oh, sorry, let's add another part of that, which is uh, Avixa uh, and Cedia. 
So mm -hmm. a lot of the other stuff which goes on in training, education, conferences, uh, the input comes from them. And there actually you find all their people on site working behind the scenes at ISE. So it's a huge, huge operation from ourselves and the two associations. Then it goes even further down that we outsource. We have advertising agencies, media agencies who are working with us, creative agencies to actually create all the marketing we're doing. Uh, in the logistics, we have um, the logistics company, Sivo, do all the shipping. We are working with the electricians, working with the rigging companies. Uh, so our, our ops team are actually coordinating a lot of outside and inside um, uh, companies that are part of the whole process, building the booths, getting the show ready to actually happen, uh, creating the registration process. Marketing is working with the, those teams as well, with the registration company, uh, all the mailing, all the activities that go on to actually get people to the venue, organizing all that transportation, you know, when you get to the airport. We do um, lots of hosted buyer programs, we work with the airlines to actually get cheaper flights. Um, uh, we work with the hotels to actually uh, hold the rates down. The problem is airlines and hotels, um, they work on demand and supply. They make hay when the sun so, yeah. you know, as demand goes up, so does the pricing. And we realize that we have to do something to try and keep this pricing down. Uh, so we work with them to actually maintain, we realize they have to do business, they want to make money. Yes. But we work with them to try and maintain some reasonable pricing at the very beginning at least. Uh, so that, uh, you know, everybody can get to the location um, uh, cost effectively and find somewhere to stay. Um, and we're doing the same when we go to Barcelona as well. So it is a huge logistics operation that goes on behind this. Um, to it, it brings me to one of my, I, I added it as a quick fire question, but I've got to put you on the spot and say, through your years, you might must have one moment where you went, wow, that was amazing. Or maybe every year it's like, wow, that was amazing. Now I'm going to take a, a break for about a month, if you could. But there has to be a moment where you went, this shit is hitting the fan. <laughs> Sorry, what is going wrong here? So give me an example where things went terribly wrong and how did you put it right? So, you know, I have to answer that in a way that my old, when, you know, I started off in the exhibition business at a company called Andrew Montgomery. Okay. And um, there are a lot of people in this business around the world who started there. And I believe that we're some of the best uh, advocates of our industry from you know, masters we had at that company. People like Sandy Angus and uh, Brian Montgomery. Who, um, and Brian wrote a book called Traps, Minefields and Lacunae. And uh, basically the, the essence of this book was that in our business, in the exhibition business, there are a hundred things to go waiting to go wrong. I, I well believe it. And live events, yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes. And all you can do is be prepared of what you do when they go wrong, so you're not running around like a headless chicken. Mm -hmm. Because when they go wrong, it's not expected. Yeah. So that's one of the things we try to do and say, what are our contingency plans to each case? Uh, and we always have them. And uh, my personal things that have gone wrong, you know, standing up in a press conference when the microphone didn't function. And, uh, but I have a very loud voice and I can shout. 
and, and this is it. Like, and people people will go straight onto the social media and go, "Oh my God, Mike Blackman's just stood up and the microphone's not working." This is a victim. Well, it's, is... it's the most embarrassing thing that can happen when you're doing a show about AV. Yes, yeah, um, and the microphone doesn't work. But like, you know, there has been there has been big technology conferences in Ireland where the whole internet has gone down, you know, and you say to yourself, well, look, this, these things happen. Touch wood, um, you know, it's something that uh, hasn't happened to us yet, and I uh, hope it doesn't. Um, I can honestly say the biggest challenge we've ever had was this year's show, the lead up to this show, with the whole COVID-19 situation developing, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and seeing, you know, working with our Chinese exhibitors, uh, trying to find out if they can travel and uh, if, if they can't travel, what do we do about this space? Um, you know, being on a touch and go situation about. Because you did mention, Mike, that like you have to have everything transported, including the companies, getting all the logistics and getting all the crates into into this empty venue. To like the one thing I love to actually experience is the rye when it was actually empty, like and just see the actual size of the place when there's actually no no stands in the place. But there's, it, there's, a, there's actually a, if you go on Google um, uh, Google Maps, you can actually go inside the rye and do a walkthrough. Okay, uh, <laughs> right, okay. empty, so yes, yeah. in which uh, uh, everybody can experience. Um, it's actually quite different when you go into a building like that when it's empty. Um, I, I can well, I can only imagine that. But I, I can going back to the logistics of last year's IC twenty twenty. Like I was talking with one of my colleagues and my co-host of of this podcast, and and said, "Are we going across? Are we not going across?" And we both decided, you know what, we're going to just watch it from the distance. Um, was there a drop off in numbers uh, for IC? Yes, there was. Yes, there was. There was a you know quite a dramatic drop off in numbers, um, but actually it wasn't because of COVID nineteen. It was actually because of the storm. Mm. We got hit by a storm which went across Europe. So That's even right. if you decided you were coming, you would probably been delayed. Yes. Um, you know we had uh, over a period of two days working down from uh, northern Europe that all the airports were shutting down. Uh, for sometimes a whole day and it, it sort of um, uh, did like a wave through Europe starting with uh, London, London Heathrow Airport, then hitting Amsterdam, then hitting Frankfurt. I remember seeing the photos at the time, yeah. yeah. And uh, all these airports were shut down for uh, several hours. Um, and I mean, I think Munich Airport shut down for almost a complete day. and. I had flights. I got a call from an American who called me from Munich Airport saying, Mike, I was flying to, to London and my, my, my flight overshot the runway. I'm now in Munich. <laughs> How do I get to Amsterdam? <laughs> get a train, maybe? I don't know. But Well, that's what I suggested. And he actually rushed to the train station. Only to, by the time he got to the train station, uh, all the trains were then cancelled. So he then ran to the car hire to find who's too late and all the cars have been rented. So he just went back to the airport and waited and uh, got the next day. Wow. So, you know, there yeah. were a lot of challenges for people. And I think the majority of people who didn't make it were were hindered because of the tr of the storm rather than uh, COVID-19. Yeah. I believe a lot of the people in this industry are quite uh, um, resilient and quite um, uh, loyal to 
you know, their partners and they want to be at ISE, not because of ISE, but because of what it actually presents and shows them what's going on in the business. So they're, they're quite a hard bunch. Well, since, since ISE, we've been hit with COVID-19, a lot of stuff has gone virtual. Now, we, I, I've been watching the different conferences. I attended the Infocom. I attended um, the ABIT Summit um, during the week as well. And what are you able to tell us, Mike? Like, you, you're, okay, this is the first year of Barcelona. And I, I guess it, it, there's a lot of pressure on your team, you and your team, to make sure that ISE goes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what I can tell you categorically is that there will be a hybrid event. Okay. Um, and I think every organizer across the world is changing their business plan and their the way they're working now to create hybrid events. Mm -hmm. Certainly in the near future, we will see people who are not able to travel or may not want to travel uh, to live events, uh, certainly in the medium term. And um, whilst that is, is happening, we have to give them access. We need to give them access to what's going on. And we need to give our exhibitors access to those people as well. So hybrid events are, are going to be the new norm. Um, we are currently preparing. Uh, we've been uh, analyzing uh, uh, numerous different platforms. And we're coming to a conclusion uh, shortly on which one we'll be using. Um, but certainly ISC 2021 will be a hybrid event. You will have a digital part of it. and. Uh, Obviously, you know, in our business, you know, touching, feeling, seeing a first, you know, in real, uh, there's not, uh, you know, nothing else can actually uh, substitute that. Yes. So being there is going to be the ultimate and uh, necessary. But if you can't be there, then this is an alternative to actually at least give you a taste of what's going on and telling you what's actually happening. Well. COVID-19 aside, Mike, I've been always saying this for a couple of years previous, even with we when I've sat for a few drinks, uh, only a few drinks with Chuck Espinosa, and uh, said, we are the Audiovisual Association. We should be doing these hybrid events before. And I, I know like people do like the networking. People do like the, the physical touch and feel. And if you're conferences it costs money to get people to talk at conferences and be keynote speakers but there should be an option as well for people that can't make the full week of a big conference event like this to be able to say right i can go back in and i can watch this afterwards and i just believed in the years previous that there wasn't enough of that and now COVID 19 has happened and it's really pushing us this way I just now I agree, you know, it's it's one of those things where we as exhibition organizers, our goal has always been to bring people physically to the location. And whilst hybrid or digital uh, platforms have been available available to us for a substantial number of years, we've ignored it to, to the most extent and said, okay, we don't need it. Now we're forced to use it. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's been a wake up call for all of us. Um, we, you know, it's a technology, it's technology that is, is our business anyway. So we should have been using it more. And um, yeah, we say hands up. Yeah, sorry, we missed it. Um, now we're forced to do it. And we, we, we see the advantages. 
But at the end of the day, in person, seeing the technology real, touching, feeling, seeing directly, you know, we can't see the colors or the intensity through a screen of, uh, of a screen at the other end. Um, you need to see that in person. Um, the audio, you need to hear in person. You can't reproduce the same thing this way. Yes, uh, of course. So, and that, that's why ISE and our industry needs to be in person, an in-person event. But we are in strange times now. We are in a difficult situation that we have to adapt to. And our adaptation is we are going to be doing a digital part of ISE. Mm -hmm. And do you know what? Personally, for me, I, I hope that a lot more training goes online from ISE. Um, I, I always find that I, I, I'm torn between, I want to see the boots. Oh, wait, there's a really good talk going on at the moment. Where do I go? Flip, flip a coin. Okay, that's the nearest hall sometimes. I'll go to that one instead. Yeah, so, I, I agree with you. That, that, that is one element of uh, trade shows, particularly ISE and Infocom. Um, that uh, has a real benefit from going online because firstly, you know, there is that conflict, even if it's not what's on the show floor, it could be two classes happening parallel, but mm -hmm. more so it's giving access to those classes to more people who may not be able to afford to attend the show. And, and that, that's, a, that's a key thing as well. Like I work in higher ed, you know, sometimes it's, it's personal development for me. So I, I, I funded myself wanting to go to different pieces and find out the knowledge, you know. So, and of course, with COVID-19, I think a lot more businesses, not just higher ed, will say, hold on a minute, that's your budget. You can go to ISE for a day or two after that, you know. Um, you fund it yourself, or you can you can see can we get it online? Yeah. Let's 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 go back to the differences between. Let's not talk about. We'll co go, come back to the COVID end of things, but let's talk about the differences between Barcelona and Amsterdam. Like when when you made the decision, of course, the what everyone kept on saying is we outgrew Amsterdam. Yeah. Next. So, and like the numbers just proved it year on year on year. Now, we're talking about 13, 14 holes, was it, in, in Amsterdam? How many Correct. holes are, are we going to have in Barcelona? Well, actually, in Barcelona, we have only eight holes, but they're bigger. Okay. Wow. Uh, okay. So here are some advantages. We're, we're actually, you know, moving from hole to hole, um, you know, has its, uh, uh, its, its issues. Um, if you can put more in one hall, obviously it can actually help the flow. It can actually help consolidate things uh, much more. So this is the advantage of, uh, of, of that. But the other thing we're able to do is actually be able to do crowd control, more uh, wider aisles, things like this. So um, with more space and fewer halls, we're able to actually navigate the show much more easily. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these are some of the advantages that we're having from so we, we we really see that already mike with well i haven't been at them but i hear about them infocom it's it's more compressed type of not as big hole well big holes but not as many different rooms as you would have at at the rye and then yeah and and i mean that's something where um i mean i i always envied um what the Infocom show has as possibilities because 
you know, when you go to Florida, to, you know, Orlando, the halls are in one long row. It's like one big hall that goes into each other. other. Okay, yeah. And that makes it very easy to actually do a layout. Um, and uh, even Las Vegas, not as much as Florida, but even Las Vegas had to some extent as well. So having fewer but larger halls made it easier to actually set up and uh, structure how people navigate. Um, now we have that possibility. We've, we were able to actually really shake up the show and restructure it. When we started IAC in Geneva in 2004, you could get around the show, the entire show in half a day. We had 120 exhibitors uh, and you could get around. And we liked the idea of mixing everything up so that people have, were forced to see everything. Mm-hmm. As the show grew and grew and grew, suddenly um, you can't even get around the whole of ISE in all four days now. No, we can't. <laughs> so we had to actually say, how do we help people who want to structure their attendance um so you know if digital signage is your interest let's put it in one place so the first thing you do is you go to hall eight and see digital signage uh as in amsterdam and then you could see the rest of the show um so by coming to barcelona we're able to actually restructure all that and actually sectionalize the show into the areas but still give everyone the chance to see everything but help them to focus on their key areas of interest first. Yeah, now there's, a, there's new zones as well that's coming to IC 2021. Tell me a bit about them. So a um, couple of things, uh, we were able to actually grow. We've had uh, in the past, we've had high demand for pro audio. So, and we had to put some demo rooms in so people could actually, you know, hear some good uh, demos in the, in the convenient atmosphere. Um, collaboration was a growing area that we never had enough space to actually put in. So we were able to actually structure that a little bit more. Um, all the other areas are the same, except live events is new as well. Uh, so the two new areas are collaboration and live events and the demo rooms. Um, and, you know, we have some other ideas of where we will grow in the future, um, some new things, but certainly we'll see more of the same plus a lot of new things. Well, of course, a brand new city, so trade tours. Have you linked up with a couple of different places? I, I already. already. Uh, the new camp has to be one of them. Sorry, the, the new camp of Barcelona has to be one yeah, of them. Actually, we've been uh, just meeting with them. And uh, um, they, I mean, it's been really phenomenal being there. They have the, the audiovisual cluster of Catalonia is so big, and these people are so excited about ISE coming to their town, to their region, uh, and really working with us. And, and um, you know, the digital digital community there is very, very strong. Uh, so we're already starting to work with them. Um, we're working with the retail elements. We're working with the AV cluster, uh, various elements, and uh, Camp Nou. Uh, actually, um, as you, if you you missed out that uh, when we did our a presentation about Barcelona. We had uh, uh, the one of the training chiefs of um, FC Barcelona uh, at uh, the show to present. Uh, presented the trico, you know, the jersey. Oh, oh very um, cool. And um, uh, one of my last visits was the AV director of. Um, I, w- I had a visit with the Catalonian government, and uh, I got a call 
And I said, Mike, would you like to, re to meet the AV director of, uh, of C Barcelona? I said, well, what sort of question is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't I want to do that? Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the, the only thing that's missing there is meeting the whole football team as well. Yeah. Oh, they've invited us for that as well. So, wow. Uh, okay. That, that, that sounds really cool. Now, let, let's come, come back to the hybrid approach. Now, only as of maybe two weeks ago, Mike, CES announced that we're going fully digital. And a big shock because CES, again, people like to hold the physical new products. And now you're, you're telling that you're looking at different platforms for this hybrid approach. I, I honestly looked at Infocom and I looked at last week, the ABIT Summit. I really liked the fact that the boots was just laid out on the site that you could scroll in between the boots, you could click on the boots and videos would play. I'm sure you're looking at all these type of Absolutely. virtual environments. Um, but I, luckily, like it's, it's sort of going from the beginning of COVID and people having to think fast quickly and get something online to, okay, we've had a bit of time now to see what other shows have done. This is where we've been lucky uh, in that, uh, you know, we've been, we've been looking at all the different platforms, all different shows that have gone digital and we're looking to see what are they doing that's good? What are they doing that's wrong? What can we learn from this? What can we improve? Um, and uh, we've learned a lot in this time. Um, and one of the key factors that we're hearing from both sides that, uh, is that, um, you know, it's great having the classes, it's great, uh, you know, having a virtual tour, etc. but interaction between exhibitors and attendees is key. Oh, it so is. One of the, one of the points that we're looking at to actually make sure that that is a critical part of uh, the digital part of ISE. I, I, I keep on putting up on Twitter that I miss just going around and physically filling a bag or a canvas bag full of pens and badges. And Unfortunately, that's something that won't happen even in the in-person event. Uh, yeah. so we, we, we've been looking and working uh, with um, several authorities in uh, Barcelona and Catalonia and um, the FIRA put together a risk mitigation strategy uh, or firstly uh, an exercise to actually understand what the risks are for the spread of COVID. Okay. And they worked together with Aon, which is a, a risk management company. Yes, we, we know Aon, yes. Barcelona and uh, FIRA. And they went through to say, okay, you know, what are the transmission uh, um, methods of COVID? And it's either person to person or object to person. Yes. And person to person goes in two ways, which is either um, vapor, so you go into a room where somebody has been infected and it's hanging in the air, or it's droplets where, you know, there's a direct contact uh, um, that someone sneezed on you or something like that. And the object to person is where you touch something that someone else has sneezed on or whatever. Um, so what they've done is look through all these different things, actually say, how do we reduce risk? Okay. And uh, in every aspect, and they came up with hundreds of uh, various uh, ways the risk can uh, exist, and they broke those down to several sectors and actually said, okay, this is how we can reduce this. This is how we can reduce that. That's how we can mitigate this. So, so no swag, but like it, it, again, no swag because that's one way of actually the object of person uh, transference. So, like, a, a logistical problem because, like, again, with the likes of ISE and 
physical touching of products, even touch screens, mixing desks. Yeah. How, are, how do you hope to manage this when you're- Regular cleaning. So, you know, obviously, uh, exhibitors are being encouraged not to let people touch, but where it is necessary, it means that they have to clean the surfaces afterwards. Right. Um, you know, it's not the it's not the way we want to do business. No, but unfortunately, it's the way. If we're going to survive, if we're going to continue, it's the way we're going to have to do business. Like I joked um, back uh, at the beginning of COVID nineteen and said. Is our conferences all going to have custom face masks going in? So that's going to be your swag bag. And of course, you know, we can't even do that. Maybe hand gel. Are, are we allowed to give out hand gel? Well, we gave out hand gel. You know, part of our, um, you know, we were hit head on with um, COVID for ISE 2020. And uh, we, we consulted all the various health authorities from the WHO to um, the European um, uh, centers of disease control to the local Dutch authorities, etc., uh, just to see what is the status, what can we do, etc. We took uh, the WHO's recommendations, mm-hmm. um, which uh, uh, encourage hand washing, hand cleansing, uh, the not shaking hands. So we introduced the fist bump and elbow bump uh, at ISE. Yeah, we were one of the first shows to do it, um, and. Um, we also uh, increased, we put in um, stationary um, hand uh, disinfectant uh, um, stations at all the entrances and all the washrooms, etc. And then we ordered something like, I think, 60,000 bottles of hand gel pre-distribution to attendees. Uh, and we put those out every day. We gave them some of the exhibitors to actually give to their clients if they wanted to. Um, and so, you know, these are things we did. We didn't do face masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, no one understood the, the, you know, whether it was good or bad or whether it would bring anything. We now understand it, it does. Um, but, you know, we went full in to actually doing what we could by IC 2020. And now we've learned a lot more that we're putting even more things in place for 2021. It, it sounds like it, 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 it's a big logistical, well, we won't use the word nightmare, but it seems that like you guys are really on top of everything. Now, of course, first aid would be the normal thing in, in, in a building like this. Uh, now, with regards to COVID-19, is there going to be temperature checks? Is there going to be um, special rooms on, on place, on site, or are we... So there will certainly will be, firstly, we increase medical personnel on the place. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be special rooms, isolation rooms. If a case occurs, there will be an isolation room where that person can be taken uh, okay. before the medical authorities come and uh, uh, deal with them. Um, we're still um, going through the question about temperature controls on the legal point of view to see if we are able or need to. Um, what certainly happens is when you arrive in Barcelona, they actually, firstly, you have to fill out a form. So they have a contact tracing form that everybody arriving into the city has to complete uh, by air. Um, the second thing that happens is your temperature is measured. Uh, so they're, they're checking you before you come into the country at the airport. Uh, so they're already doing that beforehand. Um, we are looking into that part and if it's necessary uh, we're looking at uh, solutions for electronic control. There, we're lucky in our industry 
has been very, very innovative in creating solutions for checking temperatures, checking if people are wearing masks automatically. Uh, and these are these are developments out of the AV industry. So certainly we'll be promoting these things. There are things like uh, we've, we've been in contact with a company who has created uh, UV filters for the air conditioning. Um, if you've done any research about uh, what can actually kill the COVID uh, germs, um, uh, the U UV, UV light is split into three parts, A, B, and C. And UVC kills, it kills legionnaires, it kills the flu, it kills SARS. Uh, it's very, you know, it kills uh, COVID. Um, the trouble is it's dangerous. You right. can't have direct exposure to it. It will burn your eyes or yeah. burn your skin. Uh, radiation yeah. back of us. Okay. So, but if we put it into the air conditioning system to actually filter the air before it comes into the venue, um, that is a, an additional source. And also putting it in areas, so particularly meeting rooms, and actually before a new uh, um, session starts, the UV lights are switched on full while the room's empty to actually kill any germs that may exist in that room beforehand. Wow. Um, so such things like that we're putting into place. Um, the there are, uh, portable UV filters that can be put onto exhibition stands for spaces that uh, won't have a direct exposure to people but can actually uh, filter the air and create things there. The other things we'll do as well is actually turn up the air conditioning. So the exchange between outside and inside air will actually be increased. Yes. Uh, so taking the existing air out and bringing fresh air from outside, which is clean, through those filters and into the venue. Uh, so we're doing quite a lot of um, uh, activities to actually reduce the risk. And I'm guessing as well, like you, you walk into, you queue up now and two meter distance to go get into a store here in Ireland, of course, similar across Europe and the world. Will there be that type of control of people visiting certain booths? Yes, yeah. Absolutely. It's one of the recommendations we've made. Social distancing has proved to be effective. Um, and, you know, there are certain things that we will actually say if people aren't... At, at, based on the current situation and you know we have to look and see that this could improve or it could deteriorate mm -hmm. so we will have to adapt based on whatever the situation is but based on the current situation one of the things we recommend is in meeting spaces if we can't uh, have social distancing that people wear masks um, so you know these are some of the things which come into our whole risk mitigation plan Again, it's not the ideal way we want to do business. It's not the ideal way we want to continue. But if we're going to do business, if we're going to continue doing live events, if we're going to continue um, selling and uh, creating uh, business opportunities, then we need to adapt and take these uh, mitigation uh, actions into the norm. And, and, and Mike, I, I believe it, it comes a time where we have to do it because yeah. Products are being developed and people need to physically get their hands on it and physically see people and physically network again with people and get this industry moving forward. I'm going to move into, we covered a lot and <clears throat> I have to say, I sound, I actually am excited now having talked to you in the past while well, uh, to, to hear what's going on at ISE. 
personally, if I if I'm able to fly, I would actually feel comfortable now attending ISE, knowing how much is being put into place. So we 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 asked about when when something's gone wrong. Some quick fire questions, Mike. Um, ISE or Infocom? Of course, we're going to say ISE because it's your baby. Of course, <laughs> but I still have to say that Infocom was the first AV show I ever went to, and I still enjoy visiting it. But obviously. You know, ISC actually delivers, actually, you can actually see more at ISC. We've, yes. we've had the fortune that a lot of the product launches uh, happen at the beginning of the year, and they're actually shown at ISC. Yes, and then Infocom is just if you want to see the Vegas lights or or, or go to Florida. Um, so Las Vegas or Florida, I'm, I'm guessing you've been to both of Infocoms. I've been to every single Infocom uh, since uh, 2003. And um, my favorite was always Las Vegas because I find it a much more exciting city. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, if you give me a choice, I will go to Las Vegas. <laughs> okay. And finally, Mike, I'm going to end with, if you could pick a tech toy of any price for Father's Day or a Christmas present, what would it be and why? Well, I have to be fair. I'm, I'm, I'm a real uh, watch aficionado. And um, it's not a, um, the, the new, this uh, Panerai creates, uh, has created a watch, uh, Tourbillon, uh, which is a, a feat of mechanical engineering. It's, te it's technology, but it's not electronic. Uh, so that would be my favorite, but I don't think anybody can afford to, to give me that. Go on, uh, how, much, how much are we talking for what of this? Oh, we're, we're talking uh, several zeros at the end. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe a retirement present, Mike, after, after all the pressure that goes with all these conferences. Um, and... Yeah, but, um, you know, I, I love all sorts of gadgets. And uh, um, uh, recently I saw the Segway mono wheel, and this is like a one wheel Segway. Uh, and it looks really cool. I haven't tried it yet. Um, and uh, I always think that I would like to try and, and uh, could be something that uh, I would could get. be fun going around ISE on one of them. Right. <laughs> it's been great talking to you. It, it's been great to just have an exclusive with you and just hear about what the plans are, what the logistics are for ISE 2021. I, I have to say you, you, you really have covered every aspect of what's coming on in ISE and let's hope that it still is able to go ahead. We don't hit another pandemic and we, we can keep going with it. This is what we were praying for and uh, not just for IIC, but for the whole world uh, that this happens and uh, looking forward to getting back to um, a partial normal way of life. Like, like, like our show, don't forget to subscribe to All Things Techie in your favorite podcast store. Really appreciate Mike Blackman for joining us for an hour to discuss ISE 2021. Will you attend? If you can, if you can travel to Barcelona, will you attend? I really, really feel comfortable thinking that if I can go to Barcelona, I would. And uh, knowing that they're putting as many protocols in place to make the show enjoyable. Unfortunately, no swag. I do like my swag. I do like my swag. I won't lie. I won't lie. I do like my swag. But that's the plans of IC 2021. And you know what? I love to even go on some of the tech tours as well across Barcelona. We have to get back to the stage, listeners, of being able to network and meet each other and feel and see the physical product rather than virtually. 
and let's hope ISE 2021 is the place that is going to take place. That's all from me, Justin Dawson. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We're on YouTube. We're also on your favorite podcasts, wherever you get them. Do subscribe so you don't miss a show, and I'll see you very soon. Bye-bye. Audio visual from an Irish perspective. This is the All Things Techie Podcast. Hi, I'm Billy. My name's Owen. And I'm Rosie. I'm Rachel. And I'm a voiceover for XTS. Instead of listening to us, this could be your advert. With any of our voices. Why not contact Extreme Technology Solutions today? And let us be the voice of your product or service. Visit www.xts.ie for more information. Extreme Technology Solutions. Extreme Technology Solutions. Extreme Technology Solutions. Experts connecting you. Experts connecting you. Experts connecting you.